NBA High School Football Report podcast. As always, we are powered by Penn Live. I'm Dana Benscoder and he's Eric Epler. We are astonishingly enough moving into week 10, also known as the final week of the 2021 regular season. That means there is more water than ever to dip our toes in. So Ep, how are you? And lay down the tracks for the next 30 minutes. I don't know about you, Janet, but it's still, it is sunny. It's brisk. <laughs> it's a beautiful fall day. Uh, I hope it holds. I'm, I'm here. I'm hearing all kind of weird forecasts for Friday night football. Well, yeah. uh, are, are you hearing the same thing? I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I'm hearing. Like, living, living I've, heard, I've heard the word snow. I've heard the word hail. I've heard the word like 90 mile per hour winds, nor'easters, all those kind of funky things. I don't want any of that crap. I, yeah. like, I like 50, sunny, beautiful fall day. That's what I so want. And like Ep versus Mother Nature. Yes, exactly. I don't Mother know, Nature wins. <laughs> Mother Nature wins every every damn time. All right, it's uh, it's going to be another enjoyable romp, though, Jana. Uh, coming up in about twelve minutes, we're going to chat with Lower Dolphins first year head coach Josh Barelli. If you haven't been paying attention, uh, the Falcons are right there on the line for a potential District Three Class Five A postseason berth. It's been some years since the Falcons qualified for the postseason, and they'll have to at minimum. Uh, negotiate a win over Paul Myra Friday to have a legitimate chance of breaking down that door. So we will talk to Coach Borelli about that and about basically the season in, in general for the LD Falcons. We're also going to identify a couple more District 3 battles uh, that mean uh, moving on or going home. And uh, I'll let the folks know which statewide matchups I'll be paying particularly close attention to uh, on this chilly, forecasted chilly weekend here. Week 10. I cannot believe it's been already week 10. But some of us really enjoy the cooler weather. I'm just saying, like, it's finally going to feel like fall with a, I, with a chance of winter. I like it. I have 7,000 trees in my yard, though. So the leaves <laughs> are all just starting to break off and it's going to be bedlam here shortly. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm like you. I just don't like when it gets sloppy, you know, when it gets wet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Fall is the best time of the year. Absolutely. Very true. Uh, so good deal. Uh, let's get going, though, and crack open the mailbag after our one-week hiatus. So what do you got going on? This was interesting because after we took a break from the mailbag last week, I actually had this pop up on uh, a conversation I had um, at CD East game. Um, and it was basically about the, of the PIAA football brackets. Can we sort of get back to that traditional East versus West state brackets? Uh, as you know, the brackets change here and there. There's little tweaks. Different districts sort of line up against others depending on the classification. But the argument, you know, it, it's always shuffling in this time of year because people just, I don't know, people gripe about traveling a lot, you know, and each maybe two every four years, you know, the PIAA has done, has done these little tweaks to brackets, which is a good thing. You don't want to get a stale bracket. Um, where you're just playing the same, where you're coming out playing the same district champion in, you know, say the quarterfinal round. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a smaller class or, or the state semifinals, which uh, which the bigger classes move right into, for us anyway, in 6-5 and 4-A. Um, but anyway, the truth is it was never really an East-West sort of bracket for the last 30 years or so because some classifications, like you take 3-A and 4-A in District 3, Prior to the expansion to six classes, they were always forced to go out west for the semifinal rounds. I mean, we were a lot closer to Philly than we are to Pittsburgh. So we're not we're not exactly Central PA, even though that's sort of our hallmark here. 
but yeah. but it's simply it's it, it's a simple argument of how the classifications really line up in our state. And this sort of morphs into our conversation. We had a few a few reports back um, about where these hot and big spots are for big classifications. Um, you know, you look at 6A. Well, most of your 6A schools, if you're looking at a 60 of the 98 6A programs, hail from either the Harrisburg area, Pittsburgh area, or Philly. So if you're, you know, if you're going east, west, and central, where's the real good tipping point? I mean, do you send half of our guys east, half west? If you're going 654, no, you wouldn't do something like that. But that range does not really hold up when you start dropping into the smaller classifications. The, that only potential way to kind of fix this and make it a true east-west is to redistrict. And that is a whole nightmare. Can of worms, nightmare scenarios. I mean. That's a powerful I, word, redistrict. Yeah. I mean, it, nobody likes. I, I, don't think, I don't think there's any benefit to redistricting. But that has been brought up. I mean, it has been brought up. Uh, another idea in the past has been to basically make four quadrants, make the state into four quadrants. And play your basically play your quote unquote districts as regionals where you would bring. But again, if you're using enrollments to factor in classifications, and I really don't know how else you could do it, you know, how else you can basically set these classifications other than your enrollments. Um, you know, there's no there's no good answer. There's no there's no clear answer that's going to make it truly east versus west. And at the end of the day, the players don't give a you know what about things like length of travel when it comes to postseason. You're playing in November. You're playing in December. If you make it if you make it that far, you don't care where you're going. It doesn't matter if you have to travel to Erie or Dubois, which we've had to do with a, with Bishop McDevitt many years to go out to play a cathedral prep. Um, every year, some District 3 team, if not two, have to go out through Altoona uh, to make it back to Hershey Park for the championship round. So the kids don't care where it is. A bus trip's a bus trip, you know. Um, but I just don't. I just don't know how you could satisfy that east-west, you know, craving for all six classifications. I mean, hell, you couldn't do it for four. So you know, it becomes even more difficult with six. So the answer, the long answer, is no. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get a true east-west top to bottom. Yeah, it sounds a little bit convoluted. You're dealing with a lot of numbers and geography. I mean, it's not uh, Pennsylvania being the Keystone State. We've got a lot going on here. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're 500, what, 563, you know, football teams in the state, which is probably, if if you're counting everyone in the country, we're probably like fifth or sixth most um, in the country. So, yeah, you know, trying to satisfy 563 schools and get them in the absolute exact right place and put them in that east-west, just it's just impossible to do. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah, you need someone who's got that like brain mentality to exhaust themselves to find the silver bullet that satisfies everyone, which is, like you said, really next to impossible. Yeah, and some and some have tried. I mean, so, like I said, that the the idea of the quadrants, the idea of you know. Splitting, splitting districts or, or maybe merging two districts with two others and, and, and creating sub-regionals and things like that. I mean, I don't know. The math behind uh, again, I'm not good at math, but, you know, to try to factor in all of those considerations and not come up with maybe a plan that has 
a 2A school by the numbers, by the enrollment figures, uh, merged with some three or four A's in a, in a sort of regional um, competition uh, to get to a semifinal or something like that. I, I think it's just, like I said, I, I really believe it's impossible. I, I, there's still going to be ideas floated, uh, you know, every couple of years, but, uh, but right now, much as good as yeah, you're not even giving away a non uh, non committal maybe. <laughs> like, yeah, like right. A, uh, I just no. <laughs> I don't I don't see it. You know what I mean? I'm I, maybe I'm yeah. not smart enough to see it. Um, but uh, maybe there is a perfect solution out there. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. That's the other side of the world. I I can't see it that far away. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, speaking of the post season, uh, the district three brackets are about to be filled in after Saturday's slate of football games. So one hopeful has a first year head coach behind the wheel. We got to chat with him. That's Lower Dolphins coach Josh Borelli. Recently, we caught up with him to chat about his run in 2021, the postseason push, and if the Dolphins have even surprised him. We're thrilled to have Lower Dolphin head coach Josh Borelli joining us today. Coach, a former three-sport standout at LD, took over in February after four years as a Shippensburg University assistant. Coach, welcome to the report. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Coach, let's jump right in. Uh, from your perspective, uh, and I know once the season starts to unfold, there really is no slowing down. But does it feel like you've already, like we're already ten weeks into this thing? Uh, it's kind of. We were actually just talking about this the other day. It feels like it flew past uh, before we knew it. Um, with our last game right around the corner. Um, obviously we missed the game, which made it go a little bit faster too, uh, because it felt like we had extended preseason and it felt like the season was basically just as long, but yeah, so it's flying past as of right now. I know, um, I know we talked about this a little bit, uh, when you were hired back in February, um, but you were four years at obviously as a college assistant, uh, at Shippensburg and a few places before then, uh, and perhaps you could have, you could have stayed at that level. What what kind of drew you back to the scholastic ranks? I mean, obviously, I, I really enjoyed my time at the collegiate level. Um, but like I think I said before, too, I mean, having a chance to be a head coach and be a head coach at your alma mater. I mean, not too many people get that opportunity. Right. Um, so I thought, I mean, it'd be a great shot. Plus, just being Shippensburg's not too far from Lower Dolphin. Um so being around people from the mid pen all the time, like asking, like, what's wrong with Lower Dolphin recently? What's wrong with that? <laughs> so I felt like I, uh, I wanted to get invested in it a little bit myself. So that 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 kind of drew me back as well. Yeah. Is it strange replacing Rob Clark? Uh, you know, a guy who coached you at LD not too long ago. And, and it, it was a little strange at first. I mean, I, I I've known Rob outside of my high school days for a couple of years now since he's a Shippensburg alumni. I would see him at the games all the time. Um, but uh, it, it was strange at first, just kind of, there's still that coach player dynamic there at first. I mean, I still see him almost every day before practice. Uh, so, but he gives, he also gives me some wisdom, some recommendations here and there. He helps me out when I need it, which is nice too. So, yeah. we're, we're talking with Lower Dolphin, first year head coach, Josh Borelli. And coach, I certainly feel like Coach Clock got, you know, always seemed to get the most out of his roster. Uh, but it did feel like a change was sort of needed. And it even even Rob admitted that as well. And not necessarily an overhaul to the program, but just to 
just to kind of like re-energize things and maybe introduce um, some new schemes and new things like that. And every program goes through those, those sort of highs and lows when you need to kind of juice things up. What were, what were maybe one or two, you know, housekeeping items that, that you really wanted to get right from your first day on the job? Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, high school football especially goes through cycles, but we, uh, one thing I wanted to make sure is set the culture, uh, for the get go. And I think that culture word gets thrown around a lot. Uh, but I, I, I we stay true to it. It kind of said that we have three foundational principles. It's brotherhood, kind of that teamwork aspect, integrity, like doing everything the right way. And then grit, which is that hard work, blue collar mentality that would often used to be known for way back in uh, trying to install those in every day we do, but also within the staff. I think that's the second one is hiring a great staff that's well-rounded, well-versed. Um, that's not just guys with umpteen years of experience, but guys who could bring just energy on a daily basis. Like rah rah's guys, not the right term, but uh, just high positive energy at all times. The kids feed off that stuff and then they want to be there every day. And if they want to be there every day, they have no choice but to get better. So that's the way we we kind of looked at it. So, and you were able you were able coach too to kind of bring in um, some assistant coach too, some sort of young uh, a little bit of younger blood too as well. How have those guys sort of helped the process? Um, they, they they've been great. Yeah, we brought in some younger coaches. Um, one of which played with me at Lower Dolphin. Um, some other guys we played against in college. Some guys I coached at Shippensburg. So they're even younger yet. Um, but then mixing that with kind of some older guys with great experience, Don Foreman and Andy English, those guys, um, we got a good blend. So they've been able to – we're growing together as a staff so we can literally show these kids that culture within our staff that we're trying to preach to them within the team. So it's kind of it's kind of nice dynamic, yeah. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention, obviously, to the guys uh, who make it happen on Friday nights. Not that you don't, Coach, but – the guys, the guys with the pads and unis. I know, I know it hasn't been a perfect season, but you know, none are. And um, but words like engaging and competitive are two words that I've heard um, thrown around and attached to this year's team. I mean, obviously, besides that, besides making you feel good that those are two adjectives being used. Um, do you do you feel like these guys have overachieved? Have they sort of gotten there? Obviously, there's still a push to for the playoffs. Um, but at five and three, uh, I think you're at a place too, where most people didn't think you might be at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we got here when we first started in March, obviously you don't have everybody cause of other sports seasons, but we saw some talent. It's just that we were thin. And I think one of our blessings this season has been our health. I mean, for the most part, we've been pretty healthy, um, knock on wood, but, uh, so we, so that, that, uh, that's helped us some too, that we've been able to keep our best guys out there most of the season. Um, and, but also overachieving, I wouldn't say necessarily because we, we lost, we did kind of, I don't want to say overachieve, but we exceeded our expectations in some areas where the kids just grown at a faster rate football wise than we were anticipating, which they get all the credit for. Um, but like kids like Max Klingensmith has been banged up most of his career, but he's a great player. He's been killing it for us this year. Um, and he's healthy. Jaquan Murphy's been able to stay on the field for us and make some good things happen. We have some 
young guys that have really stepped up and a freshman in West Hagee and Ty Milheims and those guys. So they, uh, and a bunch of other guys that I didn't even name Charlie Fortney's another guy stepped up this year. So, um, but yeah, a combination of growing as football players and health has really helped us. So, yeah. So that combination makes it ripe for uh, playoffs, District 3, 5A. Um, I know that's the overall goal, but what would it mean to your squad? You're right on the fence. What would it mean to your program uh, to achieve that, getting there? I think it'd be great for the uh, both the team and the program. I mean, the, the team right now is riding a confidence wave, which they needed after the last couple of years. I mean, they didn't really understand. They never felt this before. They're a uh, front runner. They're not an underdog. Um, right. <laughs> And uh, so they're riding that. They're loving it. But getting a playoff win is uh, will be big for the team as well as the program, just because it kind of we kind of it's a catalyst for what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build a consistent winning program where the, the kids are having fun. This first year uh, would be phenomenal to start out with something like that. I mean, we tell the kids, if you're playing in cold weather, it's usually a good thing. <laughs> so, uh, and and for, to be honest with you, we talked about this as a group three, four weeks ago, heading into that Milton Hershey game. Um, being like, hey, this is playoff week for us now. Because if you guys, because they all talked that we want to make playoffs this year, this and that. Um, and we said, if you want to reach your goals, it's got to start now. We have to use this as a playoff week. And we've won every game since then. So they're trying to ride that wave all the way through. So. so rising at the right time, uh, Palmyra's Friday's opponent, opponent, and uh, where do you guys think you need to be razor sharp to make it all four quarters? Um, say that again, sorry. Oh, no worries. Friday is your your opponent is Palmyra, so you guys are rising at the right time. Uh, where do you think that your team needs to be razor sharp? Not specifically with X's and O's, but like where do you have to be razor sharp entering this to have a four quarter game all the way through from beginning to end? Yeah, and I think that you hit it right there, having a four four quarter game. I We've had some really good games this year, but I still don't think we put together a full four quarters. It seems like every game we play, we we have a little bit of a stretch where we slip up and let the team in, whether it's right at the beginning or the second half. We never really got to a consistent game from beginning to finish, which I think we're capable of, and I want to see what we look like when we finally do that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but also uh, just not making the moment too big. I mean – this is this is our last home game pie ever for our seniors. Just trying to make sure that they're soaking it all in and, and they're going out there and they're showing that grit that we preach every day in and day out. So if we do that, we should be all right. All right, we're coming down the home stretch with load off and head coach Josh Borelli. And coach, is there one unit maybe uh either on either side of the ball that's really sort of led this charge? I know you mentioned a couple guys earlier in the uh earlier in the interview, but, and I know multiple spots have kind of played leading roles for me from week to week, but is there a unit that maybe even surprised you that's been sort of playing at a higher level that maybe you, you thought it would take them, you know, uh, maybe more than a season to kind of get there and they've gotten there quicker for you and, and kind of elevated this program this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, offensively, I would say a uh, combination of our backfield and our O-line, um, We've had some uh, good receivers make big explosive plays, but we've been really hammering the the running game this year. That's been like a staple of what we do. Our O lines really stepped up. They played. They they're not they're not world beaters. They're not the biggest kids in the world, but they're they're efficient. They're effective in the way they do things, which has allowed Jay Kaufman, our running back, to really kind of get his 
game going and do what he does best as well as Braden Landis in that backfield um, and mixing other kids in there, Ty Milheims, Jaquan Murphy, Ethan Miller, which has really helped us. And then defensively, I would say our linebackers, our middle linebackers and our safeties have really had a, a really good season. Um, a lot of what we do defensively is revolves around those positions and they've kind of stepped up to the challenge, especially Max and Jaquan and Ethan um, that uh, they're, they're flying to the ball. They're making plays when they need to, when we need a big time momentum shift, they usually get it for us. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've seen it firsthand for sure. Yeah. So uh, coach, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate that you spent some of us with us. It's been exceptionally warm this season. So hopefully the weather will actually change. So your guys can discern we made it to playoffs with the cold weather, but uh, best of luck to you on Friday. And we hope the math works out for you and the team. Uh, Palmyra needs the win as well. So uh, good luck and thank you very much for spending some time with us. Awesome, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks coach, take care. Yep, have a good one. Thanks again to Coach Borelli. We had a great time watching him pace and give us some insight uh, on our chat. The Falcons take on Palmyra at 7 p.m. on Friday. All right. Oh, oh, I can't say your name. <laughs> we are almost down the home stretch. Uh, give us a couple of local and statewide games, as always, that you're tracking in week 10. Well, two big games locally. We talked a little bit with Coach uh, Borelli. Paul Meyer, 5-4, lowered off from 5-3, 7 p.m. Friday night at the Concrete Palace, Hershey Park Stadium. Falcons are sitting 14th right now uh, when 14 teams move in to the D3-5A postseason. Enough said. LD needs it. And Paul Meyer sitting there, too. I mean, Paul Meyer, oh, victory Paul Meyer, they are not mathematically out of it. Um, but they absolutely need a victory, too, to have any shot. So that's going to be uh, the key one to watch. Another one is uh, Carlisle, 6-3 and three at uh, Central Dolphin East, who's sitting there at 7-2. This is 7 o'clock Friday night at the Speedway. That is Landis Field at Speed Eversall Stadium. Uh, watching the herd rise up this season uh, and cause basically general chaos in the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Division has been a lot of fun, I have to admit it. Um, and no other 6A program in D3 wants these guys in the district tournament. I can say that with all honesty. Um, if they can beat CD East, and again, that is a that is a tall, tall task uh, to walk into Landis and beat CD East. Um, the Panthers are comfortably in the playoffs. Carlisle would land a spot, um, maybe an eight spot, maybe a seven seed. Um, a loss, obviously, is very perilous because current number nine, uh, Henfield um, is going to be a big favorite against a, a pretty good uh, Penn Manor team. But uh, but that looks like a W for Henfield. Uh, and then there's Cumberland Valley. They're, sitting, they're sitting there at 10, um, and they're looking to try to squeeze in the back door as well. Um, they'll, need, they'll need a victory over Central Dolphin. That's, that's going to be a tight one as well. So um, yeah. a lot can happen in that tail end of 6A in District 3. So, But this is the key one for Carlisle. Carlisle needs this win. Uh, to get themselves uh, into the postseason. Um, yeah, so statewide, uh, I, I was only going to do one, but I'm going to give you two just because, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a football junkie, so that, that's what happens. One becomes two, two becomes three. Anyway, Downingtown East 8-1 at Coatesville 8-1, 7 p.m. Friday uh, at Coatesville. All season long, it has been an absolute bear trying to 
figure out and lean toward a couple of the stronger district one, six, eight teams um, and kind of put them a, a little bit ahead in the pecking order uh, in the state rankings. Um, we do have North Penn number one right now, um, but there are probably five to six quality teams right behind North Penn in district one, their playoffs are going to be a loony. Um, it's likely the winner here moves uh, inside the rankings probably next week. Um, and these two can meet again, uh, obviously, in a couple of weeks in the district one playoffs. So um, big game, big game at Coatesville uh, there. The last one in Mayus at Parkland. Again, this is a Lehigh Valley special. Um, Parkland 7-1 and Mayus 7-2. It's a good rivalry game. Uh, and you can pretty much put the exact details on D West and Coatesville uh, for this game. Um, these guys have beat each other up all year long in district 11, which they do every single year. It seems like, um, but one of these teams is going to enter the playoffs with a lot of steam. Um, and that's usually a bad thing uh, when it comes to the district 11, big school. So, uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on a Madison Parkland as well. So that's the hype. Yes. And we're here. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening, everyone, to the PA High School Football Report, our archived podcast that date back to week one can be found on Spotify, Acast and Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions that you want Ep to answer, hit us up on Twitter at jbenz 51 or at 3Jacker. Stop by and say hi to us on Friday. Ep will be at Middletown and I will be at Northern. Best of luck to all the teams. Have a great weekend.